Well, here we are again. It's the end of August, and it's time for another episode that I refer to as my favorites file. In this episode, we're going to talk about ratings and reviews, target audiences, understanding what your brand stands for, and customer experience. My goal with these episodes is always just to give you a quick snapshot of a topic that's relevant in marketing and branding today and how you might be able to apply it to your own branding or how it might help you flip the switch and think about it from a new perspective. So with that, let's get started with the August favorites file. Successful brands are rooted in purpose and driven by the potential to make a positive impact on their customers. Welcome to The Pursuit of Purpose with Amy Austin. Each week, Amy brings you practical advice to embrace the power of purpose in all aspects of your business and transform it into the central storyline for your branding and marketing strategies. I want you to think about this for a minute. When you are looking at online reviews or any review site, regardless of what you're looking to purchase, do you look at the average score? Do you look at the individual ratings? Do you seek out some of the lower rankings? I bet you probably do. And you maybe don't even realize that you're doing it. And there's a reason for that. And that reason is psychological. We are not wired to be sold to. Perfection is not something that we gravitate towards. I mean, some people do if you're a perfectionist. Of course, there's, there's some of that. But think about it. When you see that a business has straight across the board, five stars, everything is perfect, does that raise a level of skepticism in you? If it does, you're not alone. There is research out there that shows that the sweet spot for a rating is actually around the 4.2 to 4.5 average on a five-point scale. This is when the likelihood of purchase is the greatest. It goes back to that idea of that if we see something as perfect, we think that it must be too good to be true. In the book, The Transparency Scale, Todd Capone, the author, shares this data. 95% of us use reviews for purchases. 86% of us consider them to be an important part of our decision-making process. 82% of us seek out negative reviews. Think about that. 82% of people will seek out a negative review and then 86% consider reviews to be an important part of the decision-making process. That tells me that looking at a negative review is something that most people do when they are trying to come to a decision. And why do we do that? It shows we're not perfect. And it gives a clearer picture of what may have gone wrong at some point. And therefore, our prospects will find us to be more believable and they'll buy from us. I've talked about this topic before, but it came up again in a networking meeting this week with a new restaurant owner. And he was, he was really bummed because they had received a one-star rating. Everything else had been a five-star. Will it hurt them? No, not likely. Will it help them bring that average rating down to the 4.2 to 4.5 sweet spot? Maybe. But ultimately, what it did is it, it shook him a little bit. He wasn't sure what his response should be. 
One of the other people at the networking meeting also brought this up. There were no comments attached. If there had been comments, read them and acknowledge them in some way. It can be as simple as commenting that you're sorry they had a bad experience and asking them to connect with a manager so that you can work to correct the issue. By putting a response out there, you're showing the people who do seek out those negative reviews that you've read them and that you are taking corrective action when it's possible. Now, of course, for that person who gave the one-star review, maybe there's nothing that you can do to change his, his or her opinion. And that's okay. And they may never return to your business, but chances are that's because they weren't your ideal target audience to begin with. So I challenge you to just think about those. What's your plan of attack? How are you going to respond to a lower rating? And how can you shift your thinking to realizing or to accepting we're not for everyone? And those people that give you the low ratings are probably the ones that are not for you. So this conversation of ratings and reviews feeds right into the conversation about customer experience. And remember, experience is proactive and service is reactive. And that comes from Joey Coleman, the author of Never Lose a Customer Again. So when we're talking about experience, we're talking about what you can intentionally plan out about how you and your business, your brand, your staff, the environment that they're coming into It's what you can plan out. It's what you can anticipate happening and manage in a way that you'd like that, like it to happen, rather than being reactive to a situation that you could have been more purposeful or intentional around building. In my weekly email last week, I shared an article about the importance of personalization in customer experiences, and I wanted to take a couple of minutes to share some of the data included in this article because I think it is important for all of us to consider. In a report from Epsilon, 80% of customers are more likely to make a purchase when a business provides a personalized experience. But what is a personalized experience? Is it anticipating their needs during the interaction? Is it remembering their name and other details about them or their family or their work? Is it remembering their own unique driver or motivation for why they need your service? For example, If you are a car dealership and you're one of the salesmen and you have somebody come in and they're to buy a car from you, is it because their car was in an accident and so they need to replace it? Or are they getting a new car because they are handing down the previous car to a newly licensed driver in the household? These are very different motivations. When the business you are working with remembers details you've shared, how do you feel? Does it make you feel more valued? My guess is yes. And as a result, you are more likely to make the purchase or use their service. Another key point in personalization is making relevant recommendations and offers to your customers. Keep notes of what they are interested in and share content with them based on those key points you've identified. Anyone who has known me very long knows that I love to share links to podcasts that I've listened to, quite honestly. That was the premise of this entire Favorites File episode. Well, I should say the the broader premise of why I do the Favorites File episodes is so that I can share them with you. If you're someone who I have a connection with, whether it be a friend, colleague, or a client, 
if I've listened to a podcast that made me think of you and a circumstance that we've discussed, I send the link and tell that person why I thought it was important for them to know about it. Now, I'm quite sure that not all my recommendations are listened to. I've accepted that. But what it does do is it reminds those individuals of me, what I do, and that I'm keeping them in my mind. The stat that goes along with this point is this. 91% of a pool of 8,000 people surveyed said they are more likely to do business with brands that remember, recognize, and provide them with relevant recommendations and offers. Any discussion of personalization would be short-sighted if we did not address privacy. Sharing personal information is part of a trusting relationship. And in the absence of trust, you are not going to get the personal information you need to build out a hyper-personalized experience. So be transparent with your clients and customers about how you are going to use their information. In a report by Formation.ai called Brand Loyalty 2020, The Need for Hyper-Individualization, 81% of people surveyed said they are willing to provide basic information in exchange for a more personalized experience. They expect their data to be used to deliver a top-notch personalized experience. Hyper-personalization means that you need to know your audience. And that is the topic of next week's podcast. I'll be sharing my interview with Suze Carpenter of Carpenter 180. Suze has done an excellent job of defining her target audience and truly speaking to them in her marketing. We talk about how clarifying her target audience has allowed her to consistently provide service and content that is relevant to them and provided a boost of confidence in running her business as a result. And finally, let's talk quickly about what your business stands for. That statement right there, that could go in multiple directions. It could be about understanding your values, what you will take a stand for socially, and how it connects with the vision of your brand. And I've talked about those in the past. Today, I want to share a slightly different way to approach what your business stands for, to think about it in terms of, quote, fitting in. I listened to the most recent episode of Rebel Uprising with Dr. Michelle Mazur. It is a bit like understanding your niche. Her idea was to think about it from the perspective of what's the following that you want to build for your brand? How would you describe it? Lady Gaga's followers are called little monsters. Taylor Swift has her Swifties. And the example that Dr. Mazur gave in her podcast was the followers of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. When you hear any of these examples, you immediately have a picture in your mind. The challenge is to think about the follower of your brand in that way. What are the characteristics? Who are they and what do they look like? She went as far as to call this a cult following because in a lot of ways, that's what it is. I mean, I don't necessarily like the word cult following because it tends to bring up more of a negative connotation in my mind. But at the bare bones structure of what this is, that's what it is. Lady Gaga has her cult of followers Taylor Swift has her cult of followers. You immediately know who they are and what they stand for. 
and it's in alignment with the brand that both of those entertainers have brought to the table. It's what they want to be known for. The same can be said for Rocky Horror Picture Show. I think the same could be said for followers of Star Trek and Star Wars. The characteristics of your following should be a reflection of your brand and what your brand stands for. So this is just another mind trick to get you thinking about the elements of your brand and what is important to you. And I will put a link in the show notes to a worksheet that I use to help identify the different elements of your brand. I think it will be helpful if you want to kind of work through that on your own. So taking a piece of advice from last week's guest, Bonnie Frank, I am not forgetting my call to action this week. As you were listening to these segments on customer experience, ratings and reviews, identifying your ideal target audience, and understanding the purpose of your brand, if you found yourself thinking, I need to work on this, or maybe it was, I don't even know how to get started, reach out to me, schedule a discovery call, and let's get started developing a brand and marketing strategy that works for you rather than against you. Don't focus on random acts of marketing. The reactionary steps you take because you feel pressured to do something to market your business, but your gut is telling you it probably isn't the right thing to do. Scheduling with a call with me is as easy as going to my website, www.amyaustinmarketing.com and clicking a link. I look forward to hearing from you. And lastly, I want to wrap up this episode with a couple of quotes from Chadwick Boseman, or as many of us know him, Black Panther. My family and I are late to the Marvel game. My daughter was too young and too girly at the time that the Marvel movies premiered. But thanks to Disney+, Plus, we have watched all of them. And Black Panther is one of my favorites. After we watched it for the first time, I shared this quote on my Instagram page. Now, more than ever, the illusions of division threaten our very existence. We all know the truth. More connects us than divides us. But in times of crisis, the wise build bridges while the foolish build barriers. We must find a way to look after one another as if we were one single tribe. And then this morning, I found this quote from the actor himself, not from his character, about purpose. I believe it might have been part of a commencement speech that he gave. And I feel that it is a fitting way to wrap up this episode and draws the connection back to my goal of helping you all understand purpose and intentionality. Purpose is an essential element of you. It is the reason you are on the planet at this particular time in history. Your very existence is wrapped up in the things that you are here to fulfill. Whatever you choose for a career path, remember... The struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. This has been the Pursuit of Purpose podcast presented by Austin Marketing. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. Head over to amyaustinmarketing.com for links and resources mentioned in today's show, as well as ways to subscribe and connect with Amy. Thanks for listening.